Straight to you from Denver, Colorado, this is Precursor the Startup Journey. We share the ins and outs of building a tech startup from inception to launch to revenue and beyond. If you've ever wondered what building a startup from scratch really looks like, you're in the right place. With full transparency and honesty, we reveal it all about Precursa on our ride from idea to exit, the wins, the lessons learned, and the unexpected twists and turns. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. This is Precursa, the startup journey. And uh, it's about time we did an update episode. And I thought this was a great time because something kind of interesting happened in the past week or so. And I want to kind of talk about it a little bit. But all right. So where are we? We are about to close some funding, which is great. We're working on term sheet. We've got an investor who's just a really fantastic human, uh, really likes us, really believes in us, believes in what we're doing. And he is helping us find other fantastic humans to also invest in us, which is great. So we are closing in on getting some money in the door, which is going to be awesome for helping us uh, execute this next few steps. If you are a regular listener and if you are signed up on the the list, you may have noticed that we did not launch in December, uh, end of end of 2021, like we originally planned. We really felt like it was important. We did some really early testing with a couple of areas of the, of the product, and we learned some things. And we thought it was really important to make sure that everything we were doing was really aligning and was giving people the tools that they need to be successful. And so we're taking that we're taking some of that feedback. We are we extended the timeline out. We also have found ourselves a contractor actually a, a group of people who specialize in data and artificial intelligence and machine learning to help us make sure, you know, to do an, an outside audit, you know, because sometimes you, your developers, you know, you get into your bubble, for lack of a better word, and you kind of buy into your own beliefs about things, right? And we want to make sure that our user is always coming first. And thank goodness for our uh, user experience designer who we had on the show, you know, a few weeks ago. She is definitely keeping us honest about this. And so we are continuing to listen. We're continuing to refine. We are now targeting a launch in August of 2022. This gives us time to get some money in the door. Um, It gives us time to refine some of these pieces that we know we need to now. It gives us time to get more input and, you know, review from uh, from some more experienced eyes on the machine learning side of the world. And we, you know, we realized that the only thing we had pushing us to launch sooner was ourselves, Right. I mean, it's one thing if you've got investors and they've given you money and, you know, then you should probably be able to speed up your launch or you should at least have conversations with them in order to understand whether or not your launch time frame is making sense. But for us, we haven't closed any investors yet. So to take that extra time to do the things that we know we need to do, it doesn't actually cost us anything. I mean, it costs us because... It's an extra 
seven or eight months before we can be potentially earning revenue. Um, so that does cost us money, but it's not costing us so much money that it's worth the trade-off. So we did a we at the beginning of the year we did a big launch planning. Uh, we we you know got out into tasks and stories and and planned out in a in a project management you know tool everything that's left to be done. We got meetings on the board for things that need people to put their heads together on different elements. And we did our sprint planning so we know exactly what we're working on and when. And now we're just working towards those goals. Um, and so I'm, I think this is an important message, which is that, especially in tech, and I know we've talked about this before, but especially in tech, there's always this pressure. You got to be fast. You got to be first. You got to be fast. You got to be first. Fast is not as good as right. So if you go fast and all you have is fast, but not right, not for the user, not a great user experience, you will miss the mark. And all you'll be able to say is, well, we got there fast. Well, you got somewhere fast, but it wasn't the there you were going for. While speed to market matters, it doesn't matter as much as getting it right for your user. And and there's the biggest reason why is because if you get to the market, you get in front of the right users. They actually take the time to sign up, use your product, do your free trial, whatever it is you're offering. And it's not right or it doesn't work. That's all they're ever going to remember you for. You, you rarely get a second chance to bring a user back into the fold if, they, if you got it wrong the first time around. So Thank you for listening to this episode. If you or your company are looking to jump into the podcast world, now is the time. The Plug Agency is here to connect you to the full power of podcasting. You just record and leave the rest to us. The people are listening and want to hear from you. Theplug-agency.com. That's theplug-agency.com. Click the link in the episode description for an exclusive offer. So what I want you to understand is that right comes before fast and that's the way it goes. <laughs> now, of course, there are going to be other opinions out there about this and you should listen to everything, right? We talk about this all the time. You should listen to other opinions, other counsel, other advice, other wisdom that you receive. You'll receive different wisdom here on this show from time to time when we bring in other entrepreneurs. You have to gut check all of those things. You, you cannot take everyone's advice because most of the time people are going to tell you different things. You have to gut check it. You have to feel what is right for me in this moment to make this decision because you're the one doing it. And we've talked about this before as well, but I think it I think it's important enough to repeat, which is you are doing something new. Is building a tech startup new? Nope. Is building a tech startup that has an AI and ML component new? Nope. Is solving this problem that we're solving new? Not really. I mean, people have been trying to solve it. That's that's how incubators and accelerators came about, uh, you know, in the early 2000s you know, right around the time of the dot-com bust. 
Um, and since then, we've seen programs that are trying to figure out a way to be less about human interaction and more about giving people freedom and time to work on the same kind of stuff and get the same value, but in their own pace and in their own timing, not related back to a mentor or giving up 12 weeks of your life or whatever. So this isn't new, but no one's built precursor. No one has set out on the journey that we've set out on for this company with this heart and this purpose and this why. No one's done it. So we have lots of people who we go to for insight, for wisdom, for advice, for support, for, hey, can I run something by you and see what you think? That doesn't mean that all of them are right. And it doesn't mean that all of those things are created equal. They're all just data points. And at the end of the day, we have to sit with the data points and then we have to do a gut check. And so I encourage you to get really good at learning how to listen to your gut checks. It can save you some heartache. It will save you from making some mistakes. Uh, and it can help also direct you to who are the people that resonate with you and who more closely match your gut instincts so that you you can build a team around you, you can build advisors around you, you can build a group of people around you who will help you see what your gut's trying to tell you, not fill you with a bunch of stuff you got to wade through, okay? So we're about to close some money. We've got a new launch date. We are working so hard and and so smart on bringing you the best possible platform. And it's so validating to me because, you know, I've, I've now sat in a couple of different development uh, meetings with some of my clients who are starting to do development work on their own projects. And, um, you know, I don't do that kind of work anymore. So I have a couple partners around town and, and even overseas that I work with for this kind of stuff. And what's interesting is now I'm starting to see, and it's so validating for me, but I'm starting to see even development shops and development companies are starting to encourage people to go through you know, the Lean Canvas framework or to read Lean Startup or they're asking questions like the ones that I have been helping my, my entrepreneurs ask for a decade and a half now, developers are starting to do it. And I love that because I always say, you know, developers are great at building what you ask for. They're not great at asking, is it the right thing? And it's finally starting to get through and more and more developers are asking, is it the right thing? And that makes me so happy. I mean, it makes me so, so happy. Um, so I'm, I'm validated by what I'm seeing in the market. Like I said earlier, we, we are seeing some other competitors. They're not exactly doing what we're doing, but they're, they're starting to try and think about how to solve the same problem. And they're thinking about it in really cool and innovative ways. A lot of these are going to become partners of ours. Um, strategic partners that we, that will, you know, will will work together to fill in gaps with each other and to, and to help more people get done what they need to get done. So it's a very very exciting exciting time in the world, and that brings me to the thing that's happened over the last week and a half or so that's made me take a little pause. So. You've heard me say 
thousands of times probably on this show. At some point, some point I'll go back and count them all and we can we can see. But I know that everyone who's listened to this show at least once or twice knows the statistic that nine out of 10 venture-backed startups ultimately fail, okay? And this is one of the statistics that and the 42% of startups build something no one wants. We usually bring those up in just about every episode and definitely in definitely in most of the episodes where we have an entrepreneur that we're talking to or or an investor that we're talking to. So something interesting happened last last week, about a week ago, one of my one of my clients uh, who's building a healthcare startup, a healthcare tech startup, was at an event where a very prominent gentleman in town talked about this statistic and 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 I'm not going to say who it is. I'm, I actually know this gentleman. I respect him immensely. And it's only because it came from him that I'm now starting down this journey of discovery that I'm on. I'm My goal is actually to get him on here to talk to us about this. But until I can do that, I'm not going to say his name because I want to be respectful because I do respect him. And I, I he is someone who, if he says something, I, I am more inclined to believe that it's true. And this makes me want to dig in. So he did a presentation for a group of startups. And he said, how many of you have heard that nine out of 10 startups fail? And everybody raises their hand. He said, okay, good. And how many of you have heard that venture venture companies, private equity, you know, investors are looking for that one out of 10 to be huge and make up for the other nine out of 10? Everybody raise their hands. And the very next thing out of his mouth was, that's bullshit. And now I wasn't at this event, so I'm hearing this secondhand from my client. And my client said he went into a lot of he went into a lot of data and he talked about his organization and all this kind of stuff. And he, he couldn't really give me the specifics the way that I mean I would have been furiously taking notes, right? But the thing is, you've heard me say a few times before that that when we talk to investors, they always say, oh, well, my my average is better than that, or I do better than that, or I'm better at picking than that, or whatever. There seems to be a widening disconnect between what I'm going to call official statistics, like st- like statistics that you can find on PitchBook, on Crunchbase, on Owler, on Statistica, uh, Statista, I always say that wrong, <laughs> on Statista, um, there's, you know, so so that's what I'm calling official. And then what the population says about their own results or their own experience. Like I said, I, I the person who said this and who was who gave this presentation and who was trying to debunk this, I respect him immensely. You know, if it was one or two private investors, you know, just around town or whatever, I, I might go. You know, they just they they want to say face. They don't they don't want to admit that they're that they have a problem picking whatever. But when someone of this person's caliber, and someone who has been in this space for decades, I mean decades, says something like that to a group of entrepreneurs, I have to take pause. And I have to start to look at what new data is potentially available and how does that how does that fit in with what we have always known to be the truth? And I'm going to put the truth in quotes because 
in something that evolves as quickly as business environments and particularly because we just had this massive up you know world changing business changing like complete upheaval that the that the pandemic has been to the ways that we've thought about business and the ways we've thought about school and the ways we've thought about politics and the ways that we've interacted with each other in 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 ways that has not happened ever probably in anyone's current who's currently living's lifetime right probably so if i so so We've talked, uh, I know a few of my guests have recommended this book, and I'm going to recommend it again. And it's Jim Collins. It's called Good to Great. Uh, in, his fir- in, in the book before this one, and the name of it is escaping me right now, but he talks about great companies and the makeup of great companies. Good to Great is about how do you take a company that's poised for greatness and ramp it up? Like, what are the traits of the companies that go from good to great? One of the chapters, and I I just got done listening to this chapter again, you know, like two weeks ago, I want to say, which is probably why this is on the top of my mind so, so viscerally the way that it is. And I think I think the timing of this whole thing is probably perfect and not an accident. But in chapter four, he talks about confronting the brutal facts. He talks about and specifically what he says is great companies take information and data and turn it into information they can't ignore. And this is so, so like, what's the word I'm looking for? It's so poignant because how often do we hear someone, you know, if you're in the startup world, if you're in a business world, you probably know people who own businesses where when confronted with data, when confronted with facts, especially the ones that don't move in their favor or that say something antithetical to what they're doing or what they're believing about what they need to do next in their business. We've all seen these people who are confronted with that and they say, oh, that's that's bull, or oh, that's BS, or oh, that's just a little, whatever, right? They just push it off and push it off and push it off. And eventually it catches up with them, mostly usually to their detriment. Sometimes it works out, sometimes they were right. But there is something to be said for being able to ingest and make everything important so that you are sure that you're directing yourself in the right way and you aren't missing trends, you aren't missing opportunities, you aren't missing a shift in the market that you're in. So let me put this in perspective for this example that I'm talking about. This person who I respect greatly is starting to push back in the community against this statistic. If I ignore that, I am ignoring a huge part of my market, which is Precursa helps investors also. Precursa helps investors by removing a lot of the initial time and energy they have to put into finding companies that are worth their time to do due diligence on. If I start to ignore and I start to propagate something that is no longer true or isn't true or they don't resonate with, that takes away from my ability to be seen as helpful to them, from my ability to be an asset for them, from my ability to be seen as an authority alongside them in the market that we both care about. And it undermines all of my efforts to solve a problem for them. So 
this is information that I now cannot ignore. I refuse to ignore because it's just coming from too many sources and too many sources that are verifiable, that, are, that have veracity. So what am I going to do about it? Well, the first thing is, I know this gentleman, you know, we've met several times. His organization has invested in several of my startups, my clients' companies, uh, a couple that some friends of mine have started. I'm going to reach out to him. I want to know more. I want to ask him, tell me, tell me what, what you said and tell me what you mean and explain it to me because I, I feel like there's a problem here. Maybe it's a different problem and that's okay, but I need to understand all the sides of this problem, right? Like I'm a champion of entrepreneurs. We all know that. My heart is about entrepreneurs, but you cannot only look at entrepreneurs and ignore incubators and accelerators and investors and vendors who are trying to sell to entrepreneurs and uh, coaches and advisors and potential co-founders. Like you can't ignore the rest of the community and only say I'm a champion for entrepreneurs because if you ignore the rest of it, you might give them bad advice. And I don't want to give you bad advice ever. And markets evolve. Things change. We get better at stuff. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to reach out to this gentleman and I'm going to say, can we have a conversation because I want to know more. I want to understand. And what I would love is to get that conversation on the podcast so that we all could listen and understand. Because here's the thing. I would rather throughout the course of the next 10 or 15 years that we are getting precursor to the place where we want it to be, where it's helping millions of entrepreneurs and investors and incubators and accelerators worldwide every year, I would rather say I was wrong or I would rather say things have changed. I would rather fall on the sword and learn and continue to grow and continue to be able to build the products and services that you all need, that we all need in this community, than to hold on to being right and never be able to make a difference in this realm, never be able to make a difference with this problem, never be able to make the difference that is in, it is in my heart to make. So I'm going to reach out to him. I'm going to have a conversation and I'm going to find out what's going on. And then I'm going to dig more. I'm going to talk to other investors. I actually have uh, one of my research assistants is reaching out to all these other organizations, Crunchbase, P uh, PitchBook, um, Owler, uh, Statista, we, I've got her reaching out to say, we'd like to understand the source of some of your statistics because we're seeing different stuff in the marketplace. Can you help us understand? Like, how did you come up with this data? Because if all we do is blindly quote statistics and we never question, has this changed? We never question what were the circumstances of it. We never question what makes that difference the way that Jim Collins does in Good to Great where he says... It's not enough to just say these companies were great. What made them great? How did they get there? What were the defining characteristics? You know, what's interesting is in one of the chapters, he points out that compensation actually doesn't make a difference in a good to great CEO. Like it doesn't. You know, you have to compensate people appropriately, but how you compensate them, most of the good to great companies actually were not, did not have CEOs that were compensated at the top of the market. 
which is interesting. They were middle of the market, top, top three quarters of the market, but not the top 25th percentile. So what I'm saying, what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to get at with all this is that new data is going to arise. Now, you notice that I'm not saying we changed anything about what we're doing in the platform. Most of the time, new data will either direct your go-to-market strategy to be different, as Mary Grothy talked about, your product messaging strategy to be different, or it's about you understanding the market in a way that you can continue to educate yourself and educate your users so that you can remain an authority because you you aren't holding on to the thing that got you started 10 years ago, right? Ignore data at your peril. Now, if you remember, a few weeks back, we talked to Shoshana French, who's the founder uh, of Simple Spirit. And she is, her whole business is about teaching entrepreneurs and teaching business owners how to make decisions intuitively, how to lead their businesses intuitively. We are a huge proponent and a huge fan of this, this thing. And you'll remember in that episode, she said, you know, you're going to have a lot of data and you got to gut check it. I even said it right at the beginning of this episode, right? You got to take all the data and then you got to gut check it and you got to listen to your intuition. If you are ignoring data, there's no way you can gut check that. So if this, if my client tells me that this gentleman said this and I say, yeah, he's full of crap. That's totally not true. Whatever. He's just trying to save face. Or like if I, if I say that, I cannot gut check that data. I cannot dig in and I do not, I now have cut off an avenue in which to better understand a very critical part, a very critical component of the solution, the problem that I'm trying to solve and the solution I'm trying to build. Because again, I can't do this without investors. Entrepreneurs cannot do this without investors. If I don't speak to them, if I don't get them invested in the platform, then it's more difficult for us to solve the bias and inequity in funding problem. One of the hypotheses that we have, and it's starting to bear fruit already, which I love, is that if I as an investor can create what we're calling an investment thesis in Precursa, where I say, these are the industries I'm interested in. This is the, this is the stage or phase of company I'm interested in. This is the precursor score minimum that I'm interested in because I know, you know, below that point, they really aren't engaging with the work, but above that point, they, they're engaging, right? If I know those things and, and we help educate investors about what those things are and teach them how to use the platform and we give them tools to be able to tweak those things for themselves. And if I can see what companies are doing how they're engaging with the platform, how mature they are and how ready they are, both from their company standpoint, but also from a founder standpoint, without ever seeing their gender, their race, their political leanings, their what, you know, their religious values. If none of that is required in order to get me a group of companies that look good on paper and I already know that they match up with my values and what I'm looking for, you've already removed some bias. Because I'm more likely, what we're finding is, those investors are more likely to do due diligence on companies they wouldn't have before because they have this new set of information that tells them something about the founders and the companies that matters to them. So we see white male investors who are actually having more in-depth 
discussions and due diligence processes with black entrepreneurs, with female entrepreneurs, with Indian entrepreneurs. And so we're already seeing this start to come to fruition. And the more that we can build up the platform and the tools to continue to support that effort. But if I ignore what investors are saying about how they perceive the market in terms of their success rate, how they perceive the market in terms of what success really means, I will never get that chance with them because I'm the quack who keeps telling them that they're wrong 90% of the time. Now, that statistic's been around a long time. So I'm hesitant. I, I, what I'm not going to do is throw it out the door entirely because I have a very large body of data, also from very reputable sources, that tells me this is reality. Just the facts, ma'am. Bring the data, not the drama, right? What that does not tell me and why I need more information and why I can't ignore that new information is because what that data doesn't tell me is the human side behind all of this. See, that's ultimately what this gentleman was trying to get at is there's another side that isn't about the dry statistic, and that's what I need to understand. So this is, this is information that I cannot ignore. To do so would be at my peril. To do so would be at the detriment of this company that I love, that I am putting so much time and energy and money and, and experience and heart into building. So I will not ignore it. And this is a really cool message for you entrepreneurs out there because it's it's easy for us to, and I've talked about this before about the hubris of entrepreneurs, right? It's easy for us to get caught up in all of our I'm right or I know this market really well. And, and it's interesting because as entrepreneurs, we have to walk this line of, I'm the expert, I know what I'm doing, and I believe in myself to the point that I am willing to put everything on the line to go after this thing, to build this company, which, you know, in many, many episodes we've talked about the challenge of being an entrepreneur and the the grit and the perseverance and the resilience that it takes to do that because it's not easy and it's not for everyone. So there's that side of it, but then there's also this this side where you have to be all of that stuff But you also have to have humility because humility is what has you listening for information that you can't ignore. If it was one random investor who I talked to one time and my sense was, you know, I had some particular sense about this person or the way that they conduct their business or whatever and and they said it, I probably would be like, yeah, whatever, that guy doesn't know what he's talking about. It is because there are reputable, good people who invest in good companies, who do good work in this space that we are in. It's because those people are saying it, that it becomes information I can't ignore. And it takes humility to be able to do that. And so I guess I'm saying it, I'm not, it kind of sounds like I'm cheerleading my own humility. That's not what I'm doing. What I'm trying to point out is as an entrepreneur, not only do we walk the line to find balance between execution and vision, which is very difficult, especially once you've gotten into the execution of a vision. Sometimes you got to like pull yourself out of the quicksand to get back up and look again and remind yourself the vision, right? I just did this with a client the other day um, and we laughed about it. But not only do you have to straddle that, but you also have to straddle an unwavering belief and faith in what you're building with humility and the willingness to hear 
where you might be missing the mark or where you might be wrong or where you might need to tweak what you believe. And this is where I think it's so brilliant that Paige says entrepreneurs are the realistic optimist or the optimistic realist. That's what she says. Because that's exactly what it is. You have to still have that faith and you have to still have almost a blind optimism for your vision. But you have to be realistic and take in data and, and listen to the market and understand how it's changing. And, you know, when we talked to Mary Grothy, she said, your go-to-market strategy is probably going to change a lot, especially in the beginning. But you have to be listening to the market. You have to be taking in data in order to know if and when and to do it the right way. So this is just another another cut at that. And, you know, if you would have told me even a month ago that I would be in this place about this particular statistic, I would have told you you were crazy because it's it's fact. It's out there. It's data. But maybe something is starting to shift. And I want to understand that because I want to build tools that if there is a trend, I want to like pour gasoline on that trend so that it builds up into this huge thing and the whole momentum of the startup community changes. If it's an anomaly, I want to understand why. What are you doing that's working that's different than the community at large? Because that's a way I can help entrepreneurs and investors find each other and do good work right? Like I want to understand more. So I'm excited because for a while we've just kind of been on our path and we're building what we're building and we're getting great feedback and we're tweaking what we're doing and that's great. This feels like one of those shifts where you go, this could be either a defining moment of what, what changed precursors trajectory for the better or for the worse. And I want the data. I want the data. I want to talk to people. I want to understand and this is, is such a great opportunity to get to know the investor side of this, com this community better and to understand their needs and their problems and their struggles and where they're coming from. Which, like I said, if I, if I don't get all of the pieces, we can't serve entrepreneurs. This is not a solo game. Yes, it's very lonely. And yes, you are the one who ultimately is the executor. It comes down to you. But you don't do it alone entrepreneurship is never accomplished, is never successful alone. And I, I just want to be clear about that distinction. And so this is one of those times where Cynthia as the CEO and founder of Precursa has to say, okay, there's new data. I got to go. I got to go explore this. I can't ignore this. It would be to the detriment of my company, but more to the detriment of my users and, and the business and all of the people who've worked so hard to solve this problem. It would be a detriment to them. It would be a disservice to them to ignore this data. So I challenge you, where, where are you ignoring data? Where are you asking the questions but not listening to the answers? And can you get humble? Like get a little humble. <laughs> it's not easy, I'll tell you that. We were in the car last night and I was telling David that this came up and the very first thing out of his mouth, of course, was, well, that guy's full of shit. <laughs> and it made me laugh, right? Because I was like, huh, that's so funny. Like, that was my first reaction initially until I remembered 
and then and then the very next thing that that came to mind was Jim Collins saying, you know, companies that ignore data that can't that shouldn't be ignored, they do so to their detriment. And so we had this conversation. By the end, he was like, "Huh, you're right. Like, you really do need to understand this better, don't you?" And I was like, "Yeah." But how funny is it that our our initial reaction is usually, and especially for entrepreneurs, which David is as well, is usually I'm right and I have to believe in my rightness in order to keep going. And I I. Not I think I know there's a different way to do that. And so we're going to explore that. So I'm hoping to get this gentleman on the show. Uh, I will definitely let you know as soon as I have a conversation, as soon as I have more information, uh, we'll dig into this a little bit and see if we can uncover, you know, because again, this this whole show is about watching how a startup evolves, watching how a company gets built, watching the process of learning from users and building solutions, building products, building services, whatever it is, that actually fit a need. But in order to do that, you're going to evolve, but you got to listen. And so this is us in the, you know, in an active opportunity to listen, analyze some data, understand what it means and how it, how it impacts our company and our, all of our strategies. And so I want to share that with you real time because we didn't get to do that the first time around, right? When we started this podcast um, almost a year ago now, we we had already done all of all, all of our uh, user interviews and all of our data and analysis. Now we've had some pivots along the way, but this is our first real opportunity to get to go speak to a group of users and understand something that looks different than the data that we have so far. So I'm really, really excited. All right. It is a great time at Precursa. Please, please, please tell your friends about this podcast. The more people, you know, we've got a great audience. We're creeping up, you know, by the end of last year, we're creeping up towards 800 to 1,000 user, you know, downloads a month. The more this podcast grows, the more entrepreneurs we can help, the more investors we can help, the more uh, incubators and accelerators we can help, like the more impact we get to have. Please share it with people in your life who want to be entrepreneurs or who are repeat entrepreneurs or who might just get a kick out of listening to it and might find it interesting. And remember to like, follow, or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so that you never miss an episode. All right, next week we will be back with yet another entrepreneur experience episode. And I will be back with y'all real, real soon. So in the meantime, happy entrepreneuring. And I'll see y'all next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Precursa the Startup Journey. If you have an idea for a startup and you want to explore the proven process of turning your idea into a viable business, check us out at Precursa.com. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. Until next time.